This episode of All Talk No Balk is sponsored by Anchor FM. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First off, it's free, so you don't have to worry about additional charges and fees. And you don't have to have a limit on your creativity. Speaking of creativity, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast directly from your computer or phone. So if you're on the go, this platform is definitely for you. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be listened to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other listening site. Also, you can make money from your podcasts with no minimum listenership. Anchor gives you everything you need to make a successful podcast all in one convenient space. If you're just getting started with podcasting, or if you're a seasoned content creator, please download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Again, that's anchor.fm, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the All Talk No Balk podcast. My name is Andy Doherty, along with my co-host, Nico Weathers. Nico, how you doing, man? I'm good, and you? I'm doing well. Uh, we are a couple days removed from the Field of Dreams game. Uh, I wanted to break down what your thoughts were of that game, uh, what your thoughts of were of the aesthetic of being in a cornfield in Iowa playing baseball. Uh, were you feeling it? Or were you not feeling it? Well, the number one thing I noticed was the Yankees facial hair. Um, I definitely looked that up. That's a real thing. I think that happened in 1973. That actually really fascinated me. Uh, but in all seriousness, it was actually interesting. The cornfield, the players were walking through the cornfield. Um, you had, who was that guy? Who was that guy from that famous movie? Um, Kevin Costner. From Kevin Dream. Costner. Kevin Costner from Draft Day. That's where I remember him from. From Draft Day. From Draft Day. I love Draft Day. That was such a great film, but... Kevin Costner walking through, getting a standing ovation from all 8,000 fans in Iowa. It was cool, honestly. It gave a different, like, 1937 vibe, you know, of baseball. The old scoreboards, not a lot of theatrics, the fireworks show at the end. The, of course, Chicago winning, as they normally do, they come through. Uh, with the walk-off <laughs> theatric home run, like, you can only put that stuff in movies. You can only put that in movies. It was actually a great scene. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. It was it was like the perfect. You needed a walk off. You needed something insane to happen. Where uh, the Yankees, who usually play the bad guy in every single one of these sports scenarios of baseball, they're like the bad guys. They score four runs in the ninth inning, um, and then uh, and take the lead. And then in the bottom of the inning, you get the nice walk off from the I guess underdog team. I would say the Yankees are better than than the White Sox, right? You're high. You're high. They're neck and neck. I'm high? They're neck and neck. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. They're neck and neck. The White Sox are really good. They have good pitching. They have good hitting. The Yankees just had to get healthy and get left-handed power. And that's what they got. So, they're neck and neck. You're, you're saying that a team that is seven and a half games back in the standings, right, is going to overtake the AL East. And you're saying that that team is not better than a team. I mean, the White Sox are, are up in their division by 11 games, but like, the like White Sox, I still think. No, uh, this is where I disagree. The White Sox at this moment in time, they're the best in that division because that division is shit. Uh, the Indians it's pretty shit. or the Guardians, excuse me, the Guardians next year, <laughs> they're um they're at a point, point of where they're selling the team. Like they're getting rid of players, getting the young prospects, waiting to bring them up. The Tigers are going through it right now with just trying to get the old veterans out the way because you can't really trade them for anything. Uh, you got the Twins who just fell off a cliff. Who else is in that division? I forgot. Royals. The Royals. They fell off a cliff too. So it's really just the White Sox. In the AL East, the Blue Jays are good. The Red Sox are good. And the Rays are good. 
the, like the Blue Jays and Yankees are actually like I think a game apart. They're that close, and the fact that they're both positive by ten games that means that division's really good. So yeah, they're neck and neck. The White Sox are number one in their division because the division is also trash, but they have good players on that team. The Yankees are third in their division because the whole division is good, but they were battling injury. I I still think that the, the, the Yankees are a better team than the White Sox are. I would disagree. Okay, okay. Um, I will say, though, about the Field of Dreams, getting back into the Field of Dreams game, that I came on two weeks ago and I was like, eh, it feels kind of old style. I don't know. You're trying to move the game forward and you're doing this kind of like old style gimmicky thing. Um, I was loving every minute of that game. I was loving every minute of that game. I was loving all the coverage on that game. Um, I thought it was so cool, everything that they did. How it was small like that, where it was only like 8,000 fans in the stands. Um, I thought all of that was was just so cool. And uh, yeah, that's probably going to be another yearly yearly thing that the MLB does. Um, that's going to probably do awesome in ratings i don't know what it do you know if what it did in the ratings at all or um i could actually look it up hold on we can figure this out right now um i did love the story of zach Britton getting lost in the corn maze before the game and then he ends up blowing the save in the ninth inning um i think that was one of my favorite stories to come out of so I'm sorry to cut you off. The ratings. So this was the most watched regular season game this season. And they pulled okay. in five point nine million viewers on Fox. So, so that they're was, gonna do this again. Yeah. You said what? They're gonna do this again. Oh yeah, they're of course. Of course. The difference is where are they gonna do it? Five point nine million is actually amazing. For one single game between the White Sox and Yankees, you wouldn't expect many people to be White Sox fans, especially in Iowa. Yankees make sense. I thought it would be Red Sox-Yankees. They're going to probably switch up the teams next year, of course, depending on who's. Like, you might want to bring Mike Trout down here, like, in games yeah. like this. Like, a hypothetical situation that people were saying was, like, the Field of Dreams was a W. I love it. I love small stadiums. It reminds you of a high school atmosphere. You bring in the community. So you bring back together the core fans. So you have 8,000 diehard fans that'll stay even if the game isn't competitive. So the fact you made it in a small environment like that, and then you brought in the farm, the country, stuff like that, it just brings in a different element. Now I want to see them go to Mexico and play a game. I want to see them go to Alaska and play a game, build a dome or something. Like Just make it different. Make it different. Play in different areas. I think think that if you're going to want baseball in Alaska, you're going to have to – Make sure the Mariners win a few World Series first, which, uh, you know, they're just they're the weirdest they're the weirdest team ever. So, if you look at if you look at their uh, their history, you would put the Mariners in Alaska. No, I'm saying that that there needs to be a, like a winning team up there before you go up there. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm just saying like like just play a game up there. You could play one or one game or a series. Like you can do a series in like the Bahamas. You could do a series in Haiti or something just to bring different fans in. Cause that's what you're trying I, to I'm do. Totally, I'm totally down for like a Mexico or South America games. I'm totally down for that because that's where like you know a good base of prospects come from. But like I don't know about Alaska. Like you'd they're be, gonna be running no, on snowshoes. You'd be like, surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised at baseball in Alaska. There are probably some really good baseball players in Alaska. Eh, I I feel like when the when you hit a ball in the cold, doesn't that like make it make it go less distance? Like it doesn't go as far. I mean, yes, but that's what domes are for. Okay. You could just build a dome. Domes like, cost a lot of money. Domes will cost a lot of money. You're so disrespecting Alaska. 
It's crazy. <laughs> they don't. They can't play baseball there. It's cold all the time. Isn't it like snow? They have snow year round. Or am I wrong on that? I mean, not year round. They have hot moments. It's like 40, 50 degrees. Do you know? Wait, first of all, do you know who's from Alaska before we do this? Because you say they can't play baseball in Alaska. There's a future Hall of Famer from Alaska. Who's from Alaska? Kurt Schilling. Okay. He's from Anchorage. He's from Anchorage. Pitcher. Pitcher, though. That doesn't mean shit. He he benefited from the balls not being hit well. What? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Like, I really want to figure that out. What is wrong with you? (laughs) I don't know why you're defending Alaska. As a baseball town. You're like, baseball town is Alaska. My man said Kurt Schilling. Wow. The disrespect. You know what? And he's not going to be a future Hall of Famer. He pulled his bid. They what? He pulled his bid. When did he do that? Uh, last season, he said something controversial on Twitter, and he pulled his bid. He'll be, he'll be in there. He'll be in there. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I'm just going to manifest it. I'm just going to manifest it. All right. For the, for the sake of Nico being right in this argument, he needs to get the controversial Kurt Schilling into the Hall of Fame. I'm really looking at, because you really got me thinking now, I'm really looking up, like, players so, like, <laughs> from Alaska, and all of these people are pitchers, which works. That's fine. If if all if Alaska produces pitchers, that's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm only half wrong then, which I'll take. You're wrong all the time, but that's fine. I found a batter. Aha, found a batter. Josh Phelps. Oh, former Matt. He sucked. He was a catcher, so I mean, I guess he doesn't really hit. You know, he played a hundred you know, throw from. Hey, he played a hundred nineteen games with the Blue Jays in one season. I'm impressed. He threw. He had to throw in that harsh Alaskan air from catcher from behind home plate to second base. So that's where he got good catching. You know what it sounds like? Sounds like you're hating. Wow, he made $200,000 his rookie season? Oh, dude, we need to pick up the gloves again. We need to play baseball again. 200000 his rookie season to play zero? No, wait, wrong, wrong one. To play one game? He played one game, wow. He played one game in MLB and made $200,000. Okay, now I'm pissed. I'm pissed. <laughs> well, now if you get into the minor leagues, you're not going to. Uh, yeah, you have to get up to the MLB. You know, you got to be on a crap team like the Mets were probably when he was a rookie with the Mets or the Blue Jays, whatever team he was on. Um, so if you don't get up to the MLB where they purchase your contract, like you're gonna be, you're only gonna be making. I mean, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year playing baseball in the minors. You know. Wow. I'm disappointed. I'm actually really disappointed because I thought it was more hitters from Alaska. But it is what it is. But back to my moral my moral point. The point of what I'm trying to say is I would love baseball to be played different places that you don't see teams. So the fact that it went to Iowa. I want to see a game in Wyoming. I want to see a game in North Dakota or South Dakota. Like bring in different elements to what you're doing. Like um, you can't – a lot of baseball movies were emulated – like, kind of imitating, um, shit, what am I trying to get at? I forgot where I was trying like to Like a small town yeah. community feel to them. Yeah, so a lot of these baseball movies were like the Major League with the Indians. Uh, you had the Rookie, which is the Chicago Cubs stadium. You can't, like, rework that. But I like how MLB was trying to integrate the Little League World Series and MLB. They've been playing games at Williamsport. 
for a minute now. Uh, this season, I think, was a break just because of COVID. Uh, I like to fill the dreams. What's next? Let's see where you go next. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to put it, I guess, in a baseball movie spectrum, right? Like, are they just going to go to other places where baseball is, like, immortalized? Like, I'd love to see a Cooperstown game, right? Like, that would be a good one. Like, to play at the actual Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think they have a, a a field up in Cooperstown, so that'd be interesting. An MLB regulated field, I don't believe they do. Um, so I I say there when you start to talk about North Dakota and South Dakota, I think that it's just like you have to get the fandom in. You know, you have to get people to to come to that game. And I know eight thousand seats aren't a lot to fill, and you could probably fill those seats with the fandoms if they're close enough to the spot that you're doing it at. Um, which I'm sure Yankee fans from New York and Chicago fans, uh, White Sox fans from Chicago traveled all the way out to Iowa to go watch that game. Cause it's like, you know, you're thinking it's a once in a lifetime experience, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's still the, where that helps is that it was part of a movie. So you, you have that fanfare and that ability to like build this aura around it. Like, you know what I mean? Like what happened in North Dakota, you know, you know, so I think there still needs to be something that wiggles its way in so that MLB can say, all right, we can make this somewhat relevant and, and, and go in through that way. I think baseball will be relevant in North Dakota. There's a lot of baseball players all over the world, just like we found out Kurt Schilling's from Alaska, and he was Hall of Fame eligible. But regardless, like, baseball is everywhere. You'll get core fans just because parents love baseball. Just because not a team there doesn't mean they don't have a favorite team. Like, I know people from Iowa – that said, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan because that's when I was seeing Sammy Sosa and stuff grow up and play. So just because you don't have it there doesn't mean you can't access it, if that's what, if you get what I mean. Like, your local channel will play the next team that's closest to you. It always happens that way. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, do you want to move on to some of our favorite baseball movies in light of the Field of Dreams game? Yes, you can start it off. Okay. Uh, my number one is going to be Moneyball. Um, I really like the way that that movie is like laid out, just beyond the baseball content that's inside of it about about how you know a few people who are thinking open minded about the game and saying, hey, instead of doing X, we should do Y. Uh, and they literally change the game for the better where we have teams like the Rays who are just good f- for so long for no reason. Like, they have guys that you can't – name the Rays pitching staff. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can name a few guys, but if you name every single man on there with the Colin, the Colin Pounces and the the um, the uh, Alcantras, all those type of guys that just are, are like – this guy's a random name, but he's got a 235 URA of the bullpen. He pitches an inning in two-thirds every single time he goes out there. Um, and And – Moneyball just really changed the game. The Oakland A's story um, about how they started looking into statistics and using those in order to make a really good uh, baseball team. And it worked because these small market teams are starting to incorporate that uh, because that money isn't going to come (laughs) ever. And they have to compete with teams like the Yankees um, and the Red Sox who just seemingly have unlimited spending and could buy any player that they want whenever they want trade for any player that they want whenever they want um, and say, eh, we could trade our farm system away when we could just give 
$30 million huge contracts to any player on the free agent market. Uh, whereas the Rays and A's can't compete with that. Um, so that's my number one. My number two is Major League. Uh, and I went with a comedy here because a baseball movie didn't really need to be about like baseball realism. Like Angels in the Outfield probably was one that you had to suspend disbelief for. <laughs> the rookie, the one with uh, the kid pitching for the Cubs, you probably also had to suspend your belief for. Um, so I think that this one where they kind of embraced the silliness and were like, all right, let's make a comedy. And I think for the memorable lines where like the third baseman, uh, Charlie Sheen sleeps with the third baseman's wife and he walks up to Charlie Sheen during like the ninth inning when they're versing like the embodiment of the Yankees. And, uh, he walks up and says, strike this motherfucker out, you know, stuff like that. Just like these lines that will come back, uh, Willie Mays Hayes great character, one of the greatest baseball characters of all time. Uh, and just these characters and lines that are used in baseball regularly come from that movie as well. Okay. So you're done with your picks, right? Yep. Well, you know I have to break the norm as I normally do. I'm going to have more than two movies because there's a ton of good movies. Okay. So number one, rest in peace, my favorite comedian of all time, Mr. 3000. Yeah, have you ever seen that? Yes. All right, with Bernie, Bernie Mac. Mac. So Bernie Mac, Mr. 3000, he was the perfect character. Stan Ross, he only cared about getting 3,000 hits. Uh, he originally had 3,000. He was a bad guy. He ended up retiring on the team in the middle of a playoff run. Um, so he literally just quit on his whole team after he got his 3,000 hit because he felt like he had nothing to prove. He had no kids, no wife, nothing like that. Ended up realizing that it was a technicality, and they counted three extra hits. So then he went to 297. He was been he's been retired for six years. Was waiting on the Hall of Fame. He was a borderline Hall of Famer because he trashed the writers. You know how writers are now with the awards and shit. They have so much power. He ended up coming back at forty six years of age. Hit time it was off. Everything was off. And he was battling for three hits. He ended up retiring with two thousand nine hundred ninety nine hits. Spoiler alert. And got in the Hall of Fame because they realized he did enough to get his team to third place. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I honestly forgot about it. I'm about to watch it once I'm off. You know. This. My next favorite movie is Hardball. Rest in peace to G Baby. That was a really good movie. It brought the comic relief with the little leaguers that the coach, you know, was trying to groom to be good young men. So I'm not even gonna elaborate on that too much because I haven't seen it in a minute, but that was one of my favorite movies. Another one of my favorite movies, of course, is Major League Two. Major League Two, Two is better than one. Willie Mays wow. Hayes was hilarious. I think they had Wesley Snipes for the first one. I don't know who was Willie Mays Hayes for the second one. I think it was Omar Epps. Um, yeah, it was Omar Epps for the second one. It was just entertaining. It brought a different relief. You had Charlie Sheen acting as like the suited and booted pitcher, the the stereotypical pitcher, what your quarterback's supposed to look like. Um, he broke out of his shell, came back like towards the back end of the season after having such a shitty season to start off. Uh, Carlos was nice now. You know, stuff like that. Just a bunch of stupid things. It was actually very entertaining. It made me start liking the Guardians down here now. Okay. My favorite movie, though, besides the ones I named, was 42. Jackie Robinson, you know, it's my favorite baseball player of all time. I wish I was old enough to, you know, watch him play. Uh, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. He did great, like, great portraying Jackie Robinson. 
He's done great at doing James Brown, things like that. But Jackie Robinson, he nailed it. It kind of, whoever directed that film gave you the aspect of like, damn, this shit was crazy. How they just defied the odds and the Dodgers did enough to get a championship and get this man into the Hall of Fame and change baseball forever, you know? Now, I mean, no, go ahead, go ahead. Great picks. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. You know, I just, I just got it like that. And I got two more. The next one, the bench warmers. Two more. Yeah, yeah, bro, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, got to break the door. The next one is the bench warmers. The bench warmers was phenomenal. Um, My favorite part of the bench warmers was fucking Carlos, who said he was 12 on his birth certificate. Because uh, they paid him after a while when they realized that three old men was beating up on all these little leaguers in baseball. So they hired a 50-year-old drunk named Carlos. And he lied on his birth certificate saying he was 12 years old so he could play. That's comedy. That's funny. I never saw Bench Warmers. You need to. Out of all those movies. It's a classic. It's a classic. And the last one uh, is it's a Disney movie. It's called The Million Dollar Arm. This guy, went, have you ever seen that? No. All right, so this guy goes overseas looking for a pitcher. He hosts, like, pitching camps and stuff like that to see who throws the hardest. And it was, like, a million dollars. He threw a million-dollar, like, contract or something out there, whoever threw the hardest. This guy came out of nowhere, threw 90-something miles an hour. He was like, holy shit, we can use you. It was based on a true story. You should really uh, look into that. Is that John Hamm? That's John Hamm movie? I fucking... Who's the main guy? I don't know. <laughs> it scrambles your brain. <laughs> scrambles your brain. Uh, I think John um, Hamm was the guy. Yeah, was was the man who who had the million dollars? Yes. Yeah, I mean, great picks. Really, really widened widened your horizon. I mean, Mister Three Thousand was a great movie. Um, Hardball was a great movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, just amazing picks. Good job. You know, I'll do this. I'll just wake up in the morning like, damn. Let me go be great. Let me go list off a bunch of baseball movies. Hey, man, it happens. <laughs> All right, I want to turn uh, our attention to a Yahoo Sports article uh, that was made up about a day ago. Uh, it was a it was a thesis statement coming from a college student at Claremont McKenna who wrote up a report about how robo umpiring would decrease discrimination from umpires uh, against batters in the major leagues. Uh, he attests that the study uh, tracks the balls and strikes data from the past 13 seasons, starting in uh, going from last season all the way back 12 years, uh, and to it tracked the rate, the missed calls against certain players of a certain race, and it showed that uh, umpires of the race of a certain player would ca- make calls differently. So uh, it's saying that the difference amounts to 0.3%, which, well, is small, can be significant over a course of a season, uh, according to Robert Arthur of the Baseball Prospeticus. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, and he says, these effects are small, but also large enough to be noticeable. Mistaken calls are about 0.3 percentage points more likely due to race effects. According to the study, Snowden estimates that the umpires called about 18,000 pitches differently over the 13-year period of the study because of racial bias meaning a little more than a thousand chains calls per year. Any individual player might only receive a handful of these in a season, but for black players in the league already struggling against discrimination in other regards, any additional barrier is a significant problem. 
Um, now it is noted that 90% of the umpires over those 13 seasons were white, but also uh, that that umpires of different races were calling for uh, were making favorable calls for their own race too. Um, Nico, what is your reaction to that, and do you think that Robo Ums fixed that problem? My reaction when I first uh, found out about the article, I was like, oh wow, that's interesting because I never thought of it in that sense. Do I think they're discriminating on purpose? No. I just think it's just real time. Real time happens. Like, what he didn't take into account in this article was the height of each player, the um, the strike zone for each player. The strike zone is different for every single player depending on your height. If you're shorter, it's smaller strike zone. If you're taller, it's a wider strike zone. Uh, depending on the pitcher and their tendencies, the strike zone changes with their tendencies, stuff like that. That wasn't noted. So when I first heard it, I was like, that's interesting. Um... Uh, everyone should have knew 90% of umpires since that time in the past 13 seasons were white. Um, so that was pretty accurate. Other than that, I'm not surprised. Um, like I say, I don't think they were discriminating on purpose. It just ended up happening. A ball will look like a strike sometimes. Uh, when a pitcher is throwing 95 miles a fucking hour, I'm not paying attention to his race while the ball is coming. Regardless, uh, the batter, sometimes if the batter pisses you off and says some little slick shit, the strike zone changes. It just matters how you treat the young. So back to what your original question was, the point of the story, coming to robotic strike zones. I'm a personal fan that love human error. I love the human error aspect. It brings, it just brings different shit. It brings a different element in baseball. So the fact that a robotic umpire will get a strike right a good 80% of the time, it still defeats the purpose. I still want to see managers argue with them sometimes. I still like seeing a blown strike, hopefully not against my team. Um, it just brings a different element of the game. It's like NBA replacing fucking referees with a robotic ref. Who wants to see a foul called by a damn no one? You know, if that makes sense. And then the umpires bring a strike element. So when they say strike three, everybody has their different, you know, their different cadences. So call outs. Yeah, that's definitely why I would keep the human error aspect. Yeah, I think you see, I don't know, because if we run out robot umpires, right, and they still have trends like this where a specific a specific trend that is showing that, oh, this person gets called more and stuff like that, um, do we do we have to have an immediate reaction to that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like where we're seeing that, okay, the robots are calling out this certain type of player, but that certain type, like a home run hitter. They're calling tight on all, like all these home run hitters, all oh, we hate that there's a tight strike zone now, um, where, or I'm sorry, a, a larger strike zone, and things are getting called way too inside, so all pitchers will just start throwing inside, you know? And, and it becomes a trend like that, where they know that the system can be gamed, Whereas I think that with a regular umpire, you can't really game a system. You know, as we see all these cheating things happen with Apple Watches stealing signs and, uh, you know, Astros using TVs to steal signs and know what pitch is coming. Uh, and the Yankees who have also cheated where there was like an envelope that was unopened and, and a court rule that they can't open the envelope and blah, 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 blah. Where all these teams are cheating, I feel like there's just going to be more gaming of a system, especially when it's something like a robo or a robotic element that that is calling the strikes and balls. You know, I feel what you're saying with the cheating um, in terms of you know technology things like that. I think 
So this is what happens. Every umpire in real time, they have their tendencies to one umpire calls strikes high more than he calls low strikes. Some call low strikes, you know, actual strikes, or they call ball strikes. Regardless, everybody has their tendencies. When you do film study, that's when you figure it out. Pitchers look at stuff like that. They pay attention to which ump uh, has their certain strikes on. Some pitchers love some umps because they favor the outside and the pitchers outside. So it just depends, like... The pitching game and, like, when you bet and stuff like that, it depends on who your umpire is. I have to see who the umpire is for the game in order for me to make a bet. I need to see the home the home plate crew. So who's at first, who's at short, or who's at second, stuff like that, because I need to see who blows the most calls. So, I mean, that's why I like the human element, because you have to actually do the study. And you can, you can cheat by affecting the strike zone if it's robotic or not. It's very possible, but I just don't want to see that. I love seeing, I hate jobs being taken away by machine, so that's one big reason, too. Well, I think, too, like, do you think that umpires should be moved out of the role? Like, obviously, everybody has had a gripe with Angel Hernandez, let's just say, but, you know, they also have a union there, uh, and Angel, Angel Hernandez says, well, I'm Cuban, you can't take me out of here, and the pretty much the the whole tale of it is that the umpires union has like acquiesced to that of being like well we can't move a guy of a south american descent of something that's not white out of there because also 90 percent of the umpires are white so like i wonder if they're how like they make the jobs not permanent you know what i'm saying like joe west right like joe west is gonna retire this year how long has joe west been been an umpire 45 years 50 years and people think that he sucks and there was a time where he was a drama queen and he was taking away from the game by making himself like a big star too so i wonder if that is the workaround of it of saying like you're more available or you're more putting up like a more willing reason to fire an umpire Rather than just saying, oh, well, I don't want to get sued, you know? I wouldn't. So, umpires are damn near full-time. You get bonuses if you work posting and shit like that. The only way you can do that is if you don't make them tenure. But that brings in, uh, that brings in like, technicalities that's going to fuck up your league. So, the NFL referees aren't full-time. NBA referees aren't full-time. You have 162 games. That's six months. Uh, that's a lot of games. You can't have part-timers there. So each season, you just reevaluate the job. Only offer a one-year contract each go-round, but the union probably wouldn't agree with that. They probably want their umps under four years. Does that in 30, you have to work your way up from the minors in order to get into the MLB. Uh, certain umpire crews, I feel like you should diversify the umpire crews. The head ump shouldn't always choose who the other umps are. The head union leader should be appointed, just like your boss appoints your schedule for the week. Some days you work with the same coworkers, some days you work with different ones. I think that's what should happen to make MLB umpiring better. And I feel like it did get better. You don't see that many managers arguing anymore. I feel like it's a skill now. The skill improved. Uh, I don't know about that. Because, I mean, well, even if the umpire chooses who who his partners are in a game, the head umpire chooses who his partners are in a game, he's still the one calling balls and strikes. You know what I mean? So mm. his partners aren't going to affect what balls and strikes are called. Um, uh, I get what you're saying, though. In in that sense, though, like, I just wonder, because, like, oh, but they aren't just signing four or five-year contracts. They're signing for life. Like, like Joe West has been an umpire for 40 years, and enough people have complained about him that he could have probably lost his job a few times. 
you know, he he blew the Miggy Miggy Cabrera uh, the 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 um Galarraga perfect game. He blew that one. Mm-hmm. Was that him? Uh, I believe I don't. I don't want to say anything. I'd probably be wrong. Okay, but you know, there's been enough evidence online if you look up a compilation of Joe West making bad calls that you're going to find that. And if the MLB looked at that in a year and said, ah, well, Joe, you're not performing up, up, up really well and you're making all these mistakes, you know, this is going to be your last year. We're going to get rid of you. That doesn't happen, you know? So it seems like these guys really have jobs for life as umpires. And, uh, and I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, whether we should be bringing in new blood every five to ten years or, or what. But it seems like these guys definitely have had you know, lifetime jobs. I feel like, see, I feel like if you have a good win percentage, like if you get your strikes right 70% of the time, I feel like that's what keeps you around. If you don't have a good strike zone percentage, then I feel like that affects your job. That's why some umps don't stay around for that long and some get 20 seasons just based off of your percentages. If the balls and strikes are pretty much accurate, then you'll keep a job. I feel like that's what they base it off of. Brandon Sports Talk is a sports talk podcast where he interviews athletes, coaches, and sports business owners. You can listen to Brandon Sports Talk on YouTube and watch all of his amazing content. Yeah, so Nico, like, what do you? how do you think this affects replay? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I like replay. I think it works because it makes the game way more smoother. I mean, you know, in terms of pace of play, it doesn't really work, but um, I think it definitely helps people get stuff right. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of replay. I don't like it in any sport. It slows down the game. Baseball is already a slow game. Granted, we haven't had too many replay issues this season, to my knowledge, but since it slows down the game, I'm just not a fan. Like I said, I love the human error aspect. It brings different level of controversy so you can call me a fan of controversy just because i like the drama if it hits like you know the white line and it's fair foul between fair foul i don't want to replay slowing it down we look at it 30 times just to get every angle if it's a ball or strike how they wanted to replay balls uh it was proposed i think years ago replay like review balls and strike calls because it affects the game i don't like that review if the runner touches first before the ball reaches the first baseman's mitt. I don't like that. It just slows down the game. I'm, I think it should be removed. I don't believe, you know, the article is going to affect anything replay based. But when you bring in robotic strike zones and stuff, sometimes that might be reviewed too and challenged. Then you're removing jobs. I'm not a fan of moving jobs. This is America at the end of the day. <laughs> Even even if they're they're piss poor at their jobs, they still gotta have them. They still gotta have humans in there. That's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only right. But no, I'm not a fan of replays. I think replays should be removed. Okay, I mean, it, but then what, what happens when someone like Angel Hernandez, Hernandez when, when you know two, two playoffs, playoffs ago he was, was missing calls left and right in a Yankees in that Yankees Red Sox um, first round matchup when he's missing three calls. In an A, I think it was either ALCS or ALDS, but he was missing. He missed three calls. He missed three calls, and then he gets rewarded by being behind the plate the next game. You know, just because that's the rotation. Uh, like you know, so there should be no retribution for that. You know. Anything could happen. 
It's not a reward. It happens. It's called human error. Yeah. Day bad days. One day you might hit fucking three for three. The next day you might be zero for seven. You feel me? So you have good days, bad days. You're gonna miss a few calls here or there. Just try not to do it again. That's probably the warning that was given to him. Just like your coach will say, try to hit your fucking shots next time. Try to strike this motherfucker out. You know. Yeah, and we definitely don't hear it when when they have the greatest games ever, right? Like we definitely aren't like, man, that umpire was good tonight. You know. You only you only you only bitch and moan about them when they're shitty. That's only how it goes. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it does feel like there's there's been a. We don't hold them to high enough standard, but listen, who knows what's gonna happen? I I honestly I don't think that this robo thing's gonna work out. I think it's not gonna go well in the minors, or it's just gonna be a minors thing. But I don't think it's gonna work out at all. I really don't. They do that in the minors. I think they're experimenting in like a class A ball league this year. They're experimenting with robo umpires. How about they fucking stop trying to experiment in the minors? I hate when people do that shit. I get you want to implement different things to your league, but the minors, they're trying to fight for jobs too, you know? Yeah. And and you're getting the experience of, of a major league caliber umpire, even though it's the minors, you're getting the experience of a major league caliber umpire calling a strike zone on you. Yes, and then minor league umpires are trying to work their way up too. They're trying to make their way up the ranks. They got to do the time in the minors in high school and college and stuff like that. You don't see high school leagues experimenting with elementary kids, no, do you? So why do you try to downgrade the minors? The minors are supposed to be where you work your prospects up, not implement different shit to make the majors better. Made a replay and all that and, bullshit. And also it's just down saying there. that, that and then league is insignificant. see if it works. You know, it's also saying like, oh, yeah, that we don't really care about that league. They're not going to. You know, those guys aren't going to be major leaguers immediately. They have more so. things to worry about in Pittsburgh. You have the Steelers and you have the Penguins. <laughs> at least at least the Diamondbacks have a swimming pool. <laughs> I'm not joking. Only pirates games. Every time you go to a pirates game, you're gonna you gotta know that there's a robo umpire behind him. <laughs> I disagree, but hey, okay. It's just... I'll, I, listen, Arizona's also they're lower than Pittsburgh right now. You know, I mean, they're both competing to be the worst team in the league, but. <laughs> the only thing I would like to plug: That's make the sure difference. you follow us on the ticket. The take, oh, excuse me, the yeah, ticky top. Well, PNC Park I like is, to built call on it. A, is built on It's a, at All Talk No Ball. Waterway. See your favorite videos. It's a beautiful stadium face as well. Like, also. Make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe. Okay. Or share. Not YouTube. All right, Nico. Uh, well, thanks for joining me today, man. Uh, great episode. Is there anything that you would like to plug as we wrap up here? Yeah, and of course, always follow us on our Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook page now. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on Instagram. You know, help us out by liking this podcast, commenting on it, tell us what you like, share it around to your friends so it gets out there. We also make articles, which, uh, you know, we have a whole writing staff that works really hard on those, and they're really great articles. 
They're really thought-provoking, great articles. Uh, so check those out as well. AllTalkNoBalk.com on uh, our our hosting website. Uh, Nico, thanks so much, man. Please, everybody, join us next week. Uh, and bye-bye.